Yo, what up? This is Dart Adams, and this is episode 35 of Dart Against Humanity. This is the final episode of season two of Dart Against Humanity. Yep, I've been podcasting for like eight months, and I'm on season two, and season two ends, and next season will be season three. Now, when will season three start? More than likely, it'll start sometime between February and March. 2019. Uh, earlier, I said January and February 2019, but it's looking like February, March, because your boy has gotten opportunities to do other things, and I'm going to really be putting my energy towards that. Because in 2019, I like to make it the year I no longer have to try to convince people at publications or sites that they should pay me to write about something that happened a long time ago. And pay me timely for it. It's time for me to take my career and life in my hands and act like a 43-year-old and do the things that I should have been doing years ago that I've been slacking on. I should be writing books. I should be doing things like teaching. I should be doing a gang of things that people of my age, my seasoned ass, I am seasoned with lorries and Goya, should have been doing. I think that's the theme. I need to start doing things that I should have been doing years ago, but for whatever reason, I got comfortable in this space, and it's time for me to finally take my ass towards the light. All right? So another thing that... um. I want to get out the way is that I always have ideas for things to write about, but life catches up and I don't necessarily get the opportunity. So one of the things, one of the things I actually wanted to write about was I want to do anniversary pieces. And one of the things I like doing anniversary pieces about besides just albums and films is video games. Because again, 1988 was a crucial game, a crucial year for video gaming. And especially the Nintendo Entertainment System. So December was big for Nintendo because they put out a gang of games that people came and bought over the holiday season. Because Christmas 1987, they turned a corner with the Nintendo Entertainment System, which led to eventually summer 1988, the explosion of um, them releasing... Nintendo Power, but the release first started, of course, I've covered this first it started with the Games and Tips book that they released with the Nintendo with the NES that then led to them releasing Nintendo Power, but then by the time we get to the 1988 Christmas season it explodes again, and it opens up the way for there to finally be the, um, Video game journalism explosion, which I've actually talked about the birth of video game journalism, which is a previous episode of Dart Against Humanity. Listen to that shit. Um, but December 1988 is crucial for Nintendo because December 2nd, which I believe is a Friday, is when they officially released um, Zelda 2. So um, they released Legend of Zelda 2, which is Adventure Link. Here's the thing, right? At the time, Nintendo, I hate to say claimed, because it was a real thing. 
but there was a chip shortage right but the thing is that nintendo was not being proactive about finding alternate means of filling that void with the chips because they only fucked with one company that made the chips they used and it kind of held it halted production but what nintendo did was they used it to their advantage because at the time you could take nintendo games and you could sell them for a variety of prices so again for those of you who weren't old enough that don't necessarily remember nintendo games went for about 49.99 in some cases they went for 54.99 some cases they went for more uh Due to the popularity and the demand for Legend of Zelda 2 Adventure Link, which, again, was released beginning December 2nd, 1988. A lot of people don't remember this because it was so fucking hard to find. And so few people could locate it. So there were catalogs that were advertising it. But the price was anywhere from $60 to $75 in some places to individual stores where they realized that they had it and it was really something people were seeking out they raised the price to about $75 there were some catalogs that priced it at $99 some places had it at $89 so what I'm telling you is that the Nintendo game Legend of Zelda 2 Adventure of Link was although released December 2nd, 1988, it was hard to find. And when you could find it, it was very unlikely you were going to pay just $49.99 for it. Even if you found a place to get it for like $59.99, that tax is going to take you out. And I would like to invite all of you that don't remember 1988 or didn't live it to do this thing uh, where you go look up the price and how much it would be in 2018. So what was $50 in 2018 money? Do that. All right? It'll boggle your mind. But see, not only that, but um, I believe uh, other games came out during December, but they ended up getting bought because people needed to buy something to give the kids because the games they wanted to give them, they didn't have. For instance, the games that came out December 1988 against December 2nd, um, 1988, uh, again, I've said Zelda 2, Adventure of Link. Um, but also games like Xenophobe came out on Sunsoft. Uh, the terrible Superman Kimco game came out. So people saw Superman. Here's the thing. The Superman Nintendo game had one of the illest covers. So it looked like it was a dope game. It was super trash. A lot of kids got really pissed off when it came out. Skater died by Ultra Games, which I think was a division of like another gaming company. But um, that came out. So kids got Skater Die. Skater Die was kind of eh. Robo Warrior was absolute trash. I just don't understand why people rock with it. Rampage came out for Nintendo, translated by Data East in December '88. A lot of people got that. Um, a game that was super. Uh, hard to play and it was like you had to learn the pattern quick was platoon you had to like turn around shoot people they were jumping out the bushes it was crazy paperboy came out on um, December 88 um, 
Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which nobody damn near nobody had. Um, like we found out about that later. Uh, Bionic Commando and Blades of Steel were the other two big games that came out in December 88. They either were released December 2nd, 9th, or 16th. Again, nobody can really nail down the actual release date because back then we didn't have any way to find out exactly when something dropped because, again, there was no journalism like that. So Blades of Steel was a huge deal. I think I've mentioned it previously. And one of the things that made it like a thing in Boston was that there was no Boston team, even though Boston was an original six hockey team. And so playing Blades of Steel with no Boston option was really frustrating. But Bionic Commando was one of the most ingenious uh, rethinkings or uh, 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 adaptations of an arcade game because it became a multi-platformer. It had different type of levels. It approached the game completely differently than the arcade version. And I think that was a very influential game, the NES version of Bionic Commando. Again, that was a Capcom game. Um, so the three top games that came out in December 88, again, I repeat, Legend of Zelda 2, Adventure of Link, uh, Blades of Steel on Konami, Bionic Commando, Capcom. But this would be the 30th anniversary going up on these three games. I'm not going to be able to talk about them any further because, again, this is the last episode of Season 2. Now, this being December, I'm not... I don't know if I previously discussed this. Why would I? It's fucking December now. I've never been big on... My least favorite genre of music is Christmas music. The reason being is that it's only pushed... For four to six month weeks per year, I've had a few holiday jobs where I was a holiday hire. Uh, the one that I remember the most fondly is in 1999. I worked from right before Thanksgiving until July 2nd, 2000. So around the Thanksgiving holiday, 1999, all the way up to January 2nd, 2000, I worked at uh, Newberry Comics on Newberry Street, the Newberry Comics, the poppin' one. And that was my favorite holiday job. I had just recently moved into the the co-op that I live in now. My first job ever living in this co-op was... I had a job at a movie theater. I worked at the, um, the now, it doesn't exist anymore, the Lowe's Theater Sherry, which was not too far from where I live right now. I believe now it's a King's Bowling Alley. And like the Summer Shack also, upper, um, also holds that, like, that space. But neither here nor there. I started working there. I believe it's crazy. The first day that I worked there, the day before I started, I'll never forget this. I bought, my brother and I actually bought, um, oh, I remember. It was uh, Final Fantasy VIII. That's what it was. So it was Final Fantasy VIII. 
and I was playing it and I realized I got to take my ass to work. And uh, the conundrum about that was that in Final Fantasy 8, it was the first Final Fantasy where they incorporated real time. So you had a character and he would walk or you had to hold down a button and make him run. And the buildings he was running in were to scale. So if it took you in real life running 30 seconds to go from here to there in real time, that's how long it took in the game. And I was like, I'm not feeling this shit. I'm not feeling this shit because it's taking real time out of my life because I got a job and I got to make money. And then there was a battle where I think it was like a 15 minute time thing and you couldn't you couldn't pause it or get out of it. So I just like, fuck it. I just I just like ended the game and I just went back to that last safe site and I just went to work. But the point I'm making is that I worked at this place. And then I decided to leave the movie theater even after I was promoted, I was promoted to um, closing Usher. And also what that d- does is I, I work the ticket office. So from four until close, I worked the ticket office. So I was the person selling all the tickets. I was so fast that a manager, another manager would come down and just take the money. I didn't need anybody else helping me out selling tickets. I would just do entire lines by myself for every movie. I was that good because I had worked it when I worked at uh and when I worked at uh damn where did I work oh yeah when I worked at Tower Records 20 years ago they just always put me on the Ticketron uh, booth where I sold all the tickets for major concerts that came out and everybody sold these things at the same time so you had Ticketmaster and Ticketron right I would sell all these shows and all these things at the same time everybody else is just open their their Ticketmaster and Ticketron booth. So I'm trying to sell as many tickets as I can, as fast as I can, cash. This is cash. And shows sold out in three to five minutes. So imagine how much, how quick I'm working and how much cash I'm working with. And it's me and another guy, uh, the key supervisor, Gardner Key, which was his name, crazy, right? And he would handle the cash in real time as I'm doing this. So I was so good at that that by the time, like a year later, when I'm doing this job at the movie theater, this cash is fucking nothing. I'm, I'm selling out movies. And these theaters are only like 300 seats. I'm selling out entire, like either shows or arenas. With way more cash. So compared to that. This is a step down. This is like Goku. You know. Fighting the toughest people in the universe. And then like entering like the martial arts tournament. Where you're fighting regular people. You know they're just good at martial arts. They ain't like aliens and shit. So that's how it was for me. Working at the movie theater. Versus you know working at Ticketmaster. Ticketron booth. But the point I'm making is that I worked holidays at Newberry Comics. And the thing is that they didn't force us to listen to Christmas music. Any other time you work a Christmas job, what happens is that they Christmasize and they holidayize everything. They want you to wear a festive thing on your on your badge. They want you to dress in spirit of the season. You know, they don't force you to do it, but they suggest you do it, you know. 
they play Christmas music. They bring out the Christmas uh, music display. They, they roll out the Christmas movie uh, section in the video store. And they put that shit right back in the dingy ass office or, or, or the closet right after that season's over. And that's the thing that kills me. People only give a fuck about Christmas music or Christmas themed movies within the span of four to six weeks. They force it down your throat and then once January 2nd happens, it's over. If you're a holiday hire, you're around for this time of period and they figure out if they want to keep you on past that time or they let you go. When I worked at Newberry Comics, I found out that I was not going to be working there anymore on January 2nd, 2000, when they wheeled out a cake and I saw my name on it. And I was like, oh, damn, my ass need a job. I ended up working at Hip Zeppi. I'm not Hip Zeppi. I ended up working at um, CD Spins, which was funny because at the time, CD Spins was about four doors down. So I worked at CD Spins, which was downstairs, about four doors down from where Newberry Comics was, until I got moved to the the warehouse where I worked on building the new store, which was at Downtown Crossing. And that store, of course, didn't last very long. I walk by all these places now and I'm just like, I worked there, I worked there, I worked there, now something else, I worked there, now something else, I used to go there, now something else. So it's hilarious. But the point is that Christmas music and Christmas movies have always been uh, for me. My mom loved Christmas. It was probably maybe her favorite time of year, judging by all the Christmas shit she had and all the Christmas themed stuff that we seem to still have of hers. I, my mom couldn't wait to put up the Christmas tree. Me, I was probably the most resistant. I don't like putting up the Christmas tree. I don't do it. I haven't done it since she died. Uh, I feel like people read more into that than they need to. Because when she was alive, I was like, yo, I really don't feel like putting up the tree. There are no kids in this house, but she loved Christmas. So the last time it was up was when she was somewhat okay, where like she wanted to put up the tree and like I helped her out and we had it up. But uh, not really feeling it. The tree is still in her room in the closet. I ain't touching it. Think of that what you will. And that's a new tree, too. Because we had to get a new one because the old one, <laughs> when the kids were little, we had a Christmas tree and it fell over because it was hella old. And <laughs> my nephew said, Christmas is ruined. And we all laughed our asses off because it wasn't. But it's just the idea that a little kid saw a tree fall and he's never seen that. That's not something he's ever seen. And in my life, we've had to swap out like three or four trees because old. I do have a lot of really great Christmas memories. I think the greatest Christmas I ever had might have been Christmas 85, maybe Christmas 85. And it's funny because we have pictures of all these picture Christmases. We still have all these pictures. Uh, I believe my brother has the, all the all the books of the, like the. It was the year I got. 
uh, I got a Voltron, but car Voltron. But the weird thing is that I got a car Voltron. Now, my family isn't like everybody else's family. A lot of people got car Voltron and the kids was pissed off because they wanted a Lion Voltron. My family got car Voltron, but the Japanese joint. The legit joint. But the thing is that with Car Voltron is that if you put Car Voltron together, Car Voltron had this um heavy ass sword, right? And on the Car Voltron, the two feet cars, they have stoppers, metal stoppers that hold it. So I had Car Voltron on my desk. On my dresser. So one day I'm like trying to get ready for school or whatever. I go get my gear out, my drawers, close the dresser really quick. And one of the stoppers wasn't down on the back of the lion foot for some reason. And the shit rolled right off the uh, right off the uh, the counter, the top of my dresser because I closed the joint too fast. And I'm getting attacked by fucking Car Voltron with his big ass sword. And this is a big ass toy. This isn't like a little toy. Got it, the Japanese joint. So it's coming at me. And I'm like blocking it with my hand. And it just went into 15 pieces. Now I'm already late. And I already got to get the fuck out of here. So like I get as many of them up and put them on my dresser as I can. People were walking in through the room because our my bedroom was like probably one of the biggest rooms in the entire house but you had to go through the bedroom to go to the bathroom if you want to get something we had a lot of stuff in our closet we had probably one of the biggest closets so you had to, if you want to get something out of the closet you had to go through our room to go to that closet because it was bed 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 closet bathroom all the way at the back of the house so you had to go through our room all the time and we didn't have a closed door it's all connected so there was no real privacy And anytime somebody had to go to the bathroom or do anything, they go through our room. Ah, 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 shit. Stepping on, um, you know, parts of Car Voltron. So that didn't go over well. But we had a gang of toys. We had a dumb Transformers. Uh, we had G.I. Joe everything. G.I. Joe everything. My brother had, I think, in a previous episode, I explained this. My brother got Cobra. I got G.I. Joe. Cobra had the better weapons. So when we played G.I. Joe, we didn't play like the cartoon. We played like life. My little brother used terror and and didn't have to fucking uh, restrain himself. He could do the worst shit imaginable as Cobra. And as G.I. Joe, I had morals and shit. So I lost all the time. I'll how Batman, and it's a thing that might be one of the reasons why I like I always had a uh, uh, fixation on Batman because not cartoon Batman, actual Batman, because Batman would go all the way to stop Joker, but GI Joe didn't go all the way to stop Cobra because Cobra didn't have a fucking you know Cobra didn't have morals and shit. So when I tried to play G.I. Joe later, like Cobra, it wasn't G.I. Joe and Cobra no more. It was just two fucking 
ruthless organizations, you know, just fucking destroying each other. Assassin, like, G.I. Joe didn't assassinate Cobra, guys. They tried to stop Cobra. You know what I'm saying? They ain't fucking set off on a mission to kill Cobra Commander, which is what I ended up doing later on. And my brother was like, y'all, damn, y'all taking this to some whole another level. You trying to assassinate Cobra Commander? Oh, man, I was taking fucking Cobra hostages. Like, you don't do that. But the point I'm making is at Christmas, right? Um, I think Christmas 87 was when we got our Nintendo. The first games we got were, and it's funny because the way we got our toys, it was a mistake. Um, my mom handed me or or my younger brother Jeff the wrong box because when I opened the box I looked because it was supposed to be coordinated we were supposed to get both boxes because there's two Nintendo games like taped side by side to throw you off if you see one Nintendo game you know what it is so they're taped side by side like what in the fuck is this so I opened my thing thinking what the hell could this be and when I get it open I see Akari Warriors the font sticking through and I see Akari Warriors and I was like number one arcade hit and I make this face and my brother looks up from what he's doing he sees me he's like shit and he's me like god damn it he's like I didn't want them to find out about the head of Nintendo yet so I'm like oh I believe he taped um pro wrestling and this is my memory pro wrestling side lengthwise two Akari Warriors for me and my younger brother he taped the other game um we had Russian attack and like the Mario the Mario game lengthwise so he was like so we were like we got a Nintendo so my mom brings out the Nintendo team and bring it out and the funny thing is that like after we get the Nintendo there's still a bunch of shit under the under the um the 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 uh under the tree but my brother and my sister are just looking at them all like for them you know it's all gravy now you know it's like they got the number one pick in the draft you know what i'm saying whoever they pick up after this it don't matter so we we good it's like it's kind of good it worked out that way so everything else we got was like yeah mask you know but we got like nintendo but like by that time like past a certain age it's like if you get a transformer in 87 you don't even like it's like yeah cool you know what I'm saying if you got one in 84 85 86 it's like yeah 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 but like 1987 is like a triple change of transformer all right whatever nigga cool i mean i i that's cool you know what i'm saying yeah yeah, yeah. Can, can i get a benetton sweater you know it's like when when you're eight when you get when your age changes you know like your interests change and everything else so when you get to the part of when i got to the part of my like my life where i'm wondering about what clothes i got under the christmas tree like my sister uh when i believe it's 93 and um that's when the new england patriots got their new logo they call it now the flying elvis uh so my sister and the nfl nfl.com didn't exist but there was finally the nfl catalog that came in the mail where you could customize stuff and get personalized shit so my big sister got me 
a number 17 uh, New England Patriots jersey, Adams. And she also got me a number 22 jersey, which was Emmett Smith. Now, mind you, my sister, huge Cowboys fan. I hate the Cowboys. But she was just letting know, hey, I got the shit, so I'm going to hit you with this Emmett Smith. And I'm just like, thanks. But that number 17 New England Patriots jersey with the new New England Patriots logo on it, ooh, I stunted in that shit. Oh, man. And the crazy thing was that, like, I didn't really wear it that much during the winter. But when the spring hit and summer hit, oh, boy. Oh, boy. And I remember that year was funny because my big brother, Dave, I usually only wear Adidas. But my big brother, Dave, had been in, was in the Air Force. And he bought a pair of Asics on a break. Blue and white Asics on a break. And he left them at the house. And I would just go to the box. And I would just open it up. I'm like, those look kind of dope. Those kind of dope. And what happened was one of my boys had an 88 Novacek jersey that he swapped for me for the Emmett Smith jersey that my sister got. And so I'm looking at this Novacek, and it's like official Novacek, 88, got the stripes, got the stars. Now, I hate the Cowboys. But that blue Cowboys jersey was the same exact color as these blue swooshies that I had. Swooshies, track pants, that's what we called them. And the thing that went up perfect with them, the same color as the blue of these Asics. So I'm just putting it together in my head like Ghostface Killer talking about how he's going to put together his wallabies and how he's going to dye them different colors, you know? And he's going to rock motherfuckers this summer. I'm like, yo, if I take that Nova check, get them swooshies. But rock them Asics, though? I'll be the baddest motherfucker in school on Monday. So I did that. And I showed up in that outfit. People were like, yo, what up, yo? And I had like the, a blue head, Adidas headband or whatever. No, I didn't have Adidas headband. I didn't wear the blue Adidas headband because I was wearing Asics. And I was like, I can't wear a blue Adidas headband. I don't want to turn it. I tried to turn it inside out in the house. Looked at the mirror. I was like, no, nah, that shit look corny. So I just didn't do the headband at all. That's what happened. So I came to school and everybody was like, yo. And I had the one leg up. No LL Cool J did not make that shit popular. All right. I, I hate when people say that LL Cool J made the one leg up shit possible oh, Hot, no he didn't That shit was already something people was rocking And let me just take, tell y'all something Why did people rock the sweatpants With one leg up I'll tell you from my experience What made it hot I used to have to go to gym class When I was in high school Let's say 8th, ninth grade Whatever, 7th, 8th, ninth grade uh, sometimes if I, I had siblings, so gym, you had to wear sweatpants or shorts or something to that nature. A lot of times I would go get sweatpants. I would just go in a, uh, a drawer and pull sweatpants out, throw them in my bag. I have mad siblings. I have a younger brother who's going to turn 40 December 20th, three years younger than I. One day, I went to gym and had my younger brother sweatpants on. And them jumps was young. Young MC. Delicious vinyl. Stone cold rhyming. 
So what do I do? I take them young ass sweatpants and I pull them up so they're over the calf because they're tight enough where they're going to stay on the calf. And I pull my shirt down low enough where nobody can tell that's as high as these motherfuckers go. Yeah, how did the waist fit? The waist still fit. Figure it out. Stretchy. You know what I'm saying? Had to loosen up the, the tie at the top. But I got them shorts on. But they was young, though. And sometimes you got something like that where your sweatpants were a little too small. So you pulled them up. Or if you played a game or something like that, you would pull one sweatpants leg up, try to pull them both up, and one would come down, and you would act like you play it off like, yo, you meant to do that? No, you didn't. No one's that cool. Nerd ass. So, like, that's one of the ways that that happened. Also in jail, that's how the baggy pants and, and wearing legs up and all this other shit happened. And sometimes we would see people who rode bikes. They would have a leg up and you know we stole a lot of bikes in the south end lower roxbury this is like the bike theft capital and it's funny that i walk around now and i see people uh use those city bikes because i'm like we didn't used to people are paying to use bikes when we just go in people's yards and just clip the chain and just ride them off and repaint their mongooses yeah that's what we used to do i'm not proud of it it happened but again i'm not really huge on christmas music I'm not big on Christmas films. I went off on a tangent. I tend to do that. Er, let's see. The Christmas albums I heard the most, of course, Temptations Christmas. I think they made two album Christmas albums. Uh, uh, you know all the famous Christmas songs that people made. Shake a hand, shake a hand. You know, give love at Christmas time. Uh, Later on, you have like, I guess younger people have memories of like Mariah Carey's Merry Christmas or uh, fucking Boys the Men Christmas interpretations. You know, maybe they have memory like, I remember like Christmas and Hollis. Mama's cooking chicken and collard greens. In the back, we got the Yule log. You know, motherfucker, you don't, you never use fucking Yule log, please. Please, DMC, run. Y'all ain't never on Hollis. Y'all ain't never fuck with no Yule Logs. Somebody had to fucking throw that in there. I ain't never seen the Yule Log. One of my favorite Christmas things of all time. Growing up. Um, so back in the day, Christmas was a big deal. I mean, Christmas, of course, was a big deal. But I mean in the sense that we didn't have cable. So Christmas holiday specials used to come on. And it was a big deal because it it no regular programming. We're gonna throw this Christmas special on. Uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, huge. Um, there was this one special with the mice the night before Christmas. Rankin Bass cartoon. They used to come on. We used to love it. Frosty the Snowman, come on. All the um all the joints like uh uh damn what's the uh. What's the names of them joints? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So you had, uh, of course, I said Frosty Snowman, but you had um, like back in the days, there was a, a Garfield had a Christmas special. Garfield and Odie and them motherfuckers. Um, there was 
the old joints that they did with like Burl Lives with um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Hermie the Christmas Elf and Baby New Year Autumn Joints those all came out I think Charlie Brown Christmas is probably the all time great one uh, but for me my joint was Sesame Street Christmas a Christmas on Sesame Street because a question was asked that was very urban how in the hell does Santa Claus get the gifts in places where they don't have chimneys where are you going to land on our roof? If Santa Claus tried to land reindeer on my roof, more than likely somebody going to shoot him. He's going to die. Um, how's going to happen? He can't get down our chimney. And the great part about that is it opens up with, um, uh, I think, Jose Feliciano's Feliz Navidad. And it's like the big version of the Sesame Street um, characters on ice. And Mr. Hooper was still alive. But yeah, that was like a great memory for me growing up. That particular Christmas special. But like Christmas music, not really huge on it. I think like one of my favorite all-time Christmas songs, I think that's everybody's though. Uh, Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney and Wings. Loved that song. Um, but... Just all those years of working retail and being forced to listen to Christmas music and watching people roll it out like it's disposable and put it back really devalued Christmas music for me personally because I just don't feel Christmas music should have to be seasonal. If it's seasonal, that's cool, but I don't think that it's like relegated to a season. So that really like and like there are a lot of people that they in order to feel Christmas-y. They need to have that music and they need to dress that way. And I'm like, eh, whatever. There was the um mm, there was the Disney version of um of um the joint with Bob Cratchit and um Mr. Scrooge. Where like you get visited by Oh, Scrooge was a good ass movie. Scrooge. Scrooge was a great movie. Um, where I believe we had the uh, so back in the days, you used to have these books that used to go along with a recording, whether it was a cassette tape or a record, and it would go boop, and you turn the page, or a sound would come on, and you turn the page. It was either VHS tape, cassette tape. Or what have you. But like you would just watch along. We had one of those for this um particular uh, Disney interpretation. Of the like the Scrooge story. And like a Scrooge McDuck. And Mickey, Mike, Mickey Mouse was like um, Bob Cratchit. And Black Pete was like. Um, the ghost of Christmas present. It was just bananas, but like Christmas and like the holiday season for me at 43 is completely like a different thing because when I was younger, 
it was about the kids. So I absolutely loved the idea of like making it something like special for the children, stuff like that. But now like my niece is 17, my nephew's 19. He's in college. The little girl's going to college soon. So it's different. Like my nieces are grown. Like I don't have kids. So what like the Christmas holiday means for me is more like now I got to get this shit together. So when January comes around, I got that revenue coming in. Speaking of that. Since I'm working on uh, transitioning into a new space and there's going to be a break. And during that break, I'm going to be working on a bunch of different things before I come back to the podcast for season three. Uh, I've had opportunities with the growth of Dart Against Humanity over these last two seasons where I've had the opportunity to um, monetize it. Now, you have to work in order to get to a place where these opportunities are even um, given to you. So I was given the opportunity. This is full disclosure, uh, transparency. I was given the opportunity to uh, one. uh get sponsored by Anchor, which is the site in which I'm using to get this podcast out, the site that I've been using, why this podcast exists, Anchor. And the second one is Flipboard. So I have those two joints. If I don't know how this shit works. If those things come up during a podcast or something, just let it go or whatever. I actually will get bread off that and it'll actually help with the growth of the podcast. And just me getting to live as a creative, whatever. Uh, there's another thing. I don't exactly know what it is, but there's a way that you can um, like sponsor the podcast to donate to it. I don't know the full details. I'll probably if when I find out, I'll probably talk about it on Twitter or what have you. If you don't follow me on Twitter is at dart underscore Adams. I'm telling you all this because, again, this podcast is not going to be on for a minute. But here's the thing. There are 35 previous episodes. So if you just now getting get getting getting on board, 13 episodes, first season, second season, 22 episodes. First season, I think it started uh, April 22nd, 2018. And I think I re I think the last episode was June twenty eighth, two thousand eighteen. And then I brought then I came back to the podcast in uh, August. So I've been running since August. So yeah, that's pretty much what's been happening. But yeah, this um this entire break, I'm gonna be working on um possibly some book ideas. Uh, trying to talk to literary agents, uh, opening dialogue with some schools of higher learning. Hopefully I could get some adjunct professorships popping off, maybe get a, a book deal, um, happening. Uh, but I just been running around doing, trying to do a whole bunch of things, had some meetings, uh, on my personal side. Season five of the uh of the stew beat showcase just had its uh, championship on December second, 
So I'm the resident judge of that. That's done. Um, I just came from on Saturday, the uh, one year anniversary of uh, a local beat showcase and um, beat culture event, Nightworks. Just had its one year anniversary. Went to that event. You've probably seen footage of it. Did I post it on Twitter? You can find it on um, the the producers I know uh, YouTube account. The producers I know YouTube account has then been in operation since like 2010. I have some of the greatest performances and events and like live DJ sets and live beat showcase events and like live beat sets that you could imagine over the past seven years from names like names and I was around for some crazy shows all that shit is on the um I'm just telling you stuff just in case you like you missed the show or whatever or missed this podcast and you just want to like catch up with shit that I've done before so that's all running now the thing is that I think this break will be good because I'll have so much built up that I'd want to talk about and want to touch on that it's going to be great for when I start up the podcast again. One of the things I'm going to go into doing is that there are a lot of subjects that I could talk about, but I don't necessarily do it here because this isn't really necessarily the place. Like I haven't been talking much about the Celtics. Because I realize I have about five fucking friends with Celtics podcasts who are going to want me to be on their show. And I'm going to talk about the Celtics with them, stuff like that. No, the Red Sox season's over, so thank God, because y'all don't have to be subjected to me talking about the Red Sox anymore. Uh, one of the things I'm going to do is um, I'm going to try to, I'm going to do a podcast uh, with my boys for Boston, uh, try and work on um, the Boston Legends extension something that likes near and dear to my heart and something i feel that like we really need to like put out all these different stories about boston and the boston experience so more than likely that's probably going to start up in uh january 2019 during this break so that's gonna we're gonna build that uh going forward so uh if you haven't heard any of my appearances on other things like, yeah, I'm in Boston in the hood. So you, you're probably hearing sirens right now. Um, so if you haven't heard me, any of my appearances on uh, the Beat Club podcast, I did appearances on the Beat Club podcast. Um, matter of fact, let me try to see if I can remember um, what other podcasts I've been on this year. I think 2018 started before I did this podcast. I was on um, uh, It's So Lit Boston I think that was the first podcast that I did right before I did this one. Um, then, of course, like early in the year, I did an appearance on um, Rain and Jays with um, the Rain and Jays podcast with my boy John Corrales. I actually did an appearance on there where I talked about like the parallels between um, or like the relationship between hip hop and basketball. I did that one. Um, I did an appearance on a podcast not too long ago with my girl um jazz who just turned 28 i did that podcast appearance uh with them um i if you go on youtube i did a appearance where it was on um, dinner at slades it's me and noble 
of uh, the museum TV in Boston. So if you actually want to see what I look like and actually want to see me eat food, I don't do mukbangs, but that's the closest thing to it. And I still think about them, those chicken wings to this day. Them joints is fire. Fire. Um. Ah, man. See, older stuff that I did. Um, I've done appearances on my boy Jada S's podcast. Um, I've done a couple appearances on his podcast, actually. What is it called? It's called Russian something. So what I'm going to do is I'm talking to y'all, but I'm actually going to Google what podcasts I've been on. Again, I'm somebody that does so much stuff that I don't, even though I remember everything, I, I just do so much stuff that I don't necessarily always recall exactly what it was. So I'm trying to figure out what I should like Google. I'm in the Google bar. I'm like, do I search Dart Adams J the S? Russian souvenirs, is that what it was called? Dart Adams Russian souvenirs. Is that was was that what it was called? If I remember this shit was called Russian souvenirs and I Google Russian souvenirs and my podcast come up, I'm gonna be like, what? Also, it's not easy to spell the word souvenirs and I know how to spell souvenirs. Because I was a spelling bee champion growing up. Yep. Back in the days, Boston was split into districts. I was in District 7, which is uh, South End, Lower Roxbury, which a lot of people don't even know really exists. Because, again, um, gentrification tries to make everybody think that it didn't or doesn't. Um, but I was District 7 spelling champion in second and third grade. Fourth grade, I stopped doing spelling bees because I got sick of going to City Hall and losing. And also because I was one of the youngest kids in the class. And I was always going up against older kids, it seemed like. But I just I just made the cutoff for the entrance in that grade. So I believe it is called Russian Souvenirs. For some reason, my laptop's like... Pfft. Google search. I don't feel like it, fam. And then when I type in Dart Adams, I get Mass Appeal, Benzino. What? Why would people search me in Benzino? I mean, I get it, but no. Why? I mean, I have told Benzino stories, but I don't like he's Ray Dog. I've told me and I told RSO stories on Twitter before, but not enough for people to actually go to Google and look up Dart Adams and Benzino. What, they think they're going to find a picture of us together? No, there are pictures of me and Ed OG together. So now I'm doing this awkward thing where I'm on the phone waiting for my Google search to go through. And my laptop acting like it don't want to do it, which is weird. But anyways, I believe the podcast is called Russian Souvenirs. And as soon as I get up to go away, it starts loading. Um, but yeah, I do believe the podcast with Jada S was called Russian Souvenirs. I've done two separate ones. One where I was talking about um, film it was called uh, That Old Fly Shit with Dart Adams from 2015. 
Jesus Christ. Co-host Jake the Snake has music journalist, blogger Dart Adams on. Wait, what? Oh, he changed it from the Russian Souvenirs podcast to the Damaged Goods podcast. That's what happened. Okay. All right. So this is what's funny because that's why I couldn't really remember. Um, this is hilarious. Um, this is this is like Dart Adams. This is your life. If you want to know the truth, this is really hilarious. Wow. That old fly shit with Dart Adams was, yeah, July 2017. I remember going to his houses before he moved to L.A. Then I did another one with him. See, I'm trying to look for it. Interesting. So now I have to look up Dart Adams Damaged Goods. And it's funny because a lot of y'all just sitting on here like, why am I still listening to this shit? I get it. I want to know what an entire fuck my podcast was about. I know I talked about um, the relationship between like, uh, oh, the hustler and the addict. So the idea behind the podcast was people talk about I grew up with drug dealer music. And y'all listen to drug um, user music. But I talk about how stupid that shit is. So if you want to find it, it's the Damage Could Podcast, The Hustler in the Attic with Dart Adams. It says 11 months ago. So I did that this year? Jesus Christ. Why don't I remember shit that I did like that? But this is a really good podcast episode. And then the shit that I did with So Lit Boston, or It's Lit Boston, what was it? It's So Lit Boston. It's Lit Boston. It was me and a colleague of mine, and we went on this podcast. And yeah, so it was It's Lit Boston. And we went on this podcast, and it was hilarious because they called it hip hopping at its finest nine months ago. And we went on this podcast and it was funny because me and Amelia Mason of um, WTBU's The Artery, we kind of felt like it was an ambush in a sense because all we did was argue with these cats and like they thought we were having a discussion and I really didn't think it was a discussion. I was talking about Millie's and they were like, nobody's feeling Millie's. I was like, actually, it was like, you have to listen to it again. Hip hop in its finest. It's Lit Boston podcast, me and Amelia Mason. Um, so basically, that was just me running down all the shit that I did other than this podcast. If you want to actually go back and listen. And if you're new to the podcast, go back and listen to the previous 35 episodes. I've pretty much covered some of everything. I have enough variety where you'd be somewhat entertained and you will learn a lot. I don't know if you really learned anything from this particular podcast. But 
I just wanted to do this joint to thank everybody for listening these last two seasons and encourage everybody to come back for season three when I finally do it because this podcast is going to be a different animal than it was previously. Also, I'm running out of time doing this because I don't like talking past 45 minutes and I don't like making it anywhere near the hour point because what's the point? I don't even like the hearing my voice right now. So, uh, Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, to, Happy Hanukkah, uh, Festivus for the rest of y'all, um, whatever, just rock with me, I'm coming back 2019, hopefully with new energy, new money, different attitude, and I've elevated in life, so I appreciate everybody who's been fucking with me, who's helped to grow this podcast and make it happen, because there are a lot of people that just record something as being a creative. You create something, you put it out there, you don't know if it's going to be re- received well. I pretty much did whatever I wanted to, how I wanted to on my own terms. And this is what it's yielded. So thank you for allowing me to be me. And hopefully you'll still be fucking with me in the future. Uh, one.